Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. I'm going to be sharing, um, it's actually a series I did a couple months ago called More Than Enough, and um, it really blessed my dad and uh, the Wednesday night um, church, so uh, he asked me to share, share from this um, series today. But actually, it's, it's three parts, so if anyone wants the, the entire collection, you're just getting the highlights today, but uh, um, they have those available if, if um, you want to dig a little deeper on this um, topic of more than enough, but I think it's really going to bless you. Um, God is, is, he's always speaking to us, amen? We're his sons, we're his daughters, and he said this is one thing that will be the trademark for being a child of God is that he will lead you by his spirit. So his spirit's always talking. Even during worship, I felt God just talking, just saying he wants to bring this church, he wants to bring people here into great success. And he reminded me of something that a teacher once told me years ago about what success is. And she said, success is when preparation meets opportunity. So speaking to Pastor Lawson. So I just felt that God wants to bring this church just incredible success. He wants to bring you incredible success. So in the realm of the spirit, what does preparation, what does opportunity look like? Preparation is living by faith. That is doing what God has called you to do. That is being true to his word. That is doing the same thing day in, day out. Just, just you, you are living by faith. That is preparation and, and, and opportunity. Our God wants to bring us, I believe he's going to bring you very just, just open door opportunity, divine appointment opportunity. For he performs the thing appointed for you and many such things are with him. He's going to bring those divine connections to open doors where, you, where your, your lifestyle of faith, your preparation is going to meet that opportunity and God is going to bring you great success. He's going to bring you into your complete and total destiny. Um, that's just a little bonus for you all today. But yeah, um, that, that's, a, that's a great... Definition: Success is when preparation meets opportunity. Just keep doing what God called you to do, and he's going to open just incredible doors of opportunity for each and every one of you. Amen. I believe for this church, too. I see this church as a powerful church. I believe that God's blessing of multiplication is on this church. I'm going to talk about that a little bit in this more than enough message. But there, there is a blessing of multiplication here on this house. As I drove up this morning, um, I saw the, the parking lot here before first service was empty. And I, I, like I said, God, we need to fill that parking lot up. And he said, I'll fill it up. Amen. So he just took the pressure off of me and said, I'll fill it up. I'm going to multiply it. And um, th- this church is going to grow. It's going to multiply. There is a blessing of multiplication here. So let's um, dive into this message more than enough. Let's go to Genesis 17. Genesis 17, verse 1. I'm going to kind of cut to the chase here. But um, this is when Abram was 99 years old. God spoke to him 25 years before when he was 74 and gave him the promise that you're going to, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. Get up, get out of this land. Go, go to a land that I will show you. And Abram did what God called him to do. But um, he, he had some struggles. I think one of his struggles was that he didn't see that God was more than enough. He believed God's promise. He stepped out. He lived by faith. But at the same time, he thought, well, I, it's not happening. This promise isn't happening. God isn't more than enough. So I'm just going to take my wife's advice and kind of add to the promise. I'm going to try to make it happen in my own. So Sarai said, well, take my handmaid and take Hagar, um, have relations with her, have a child, and that'll be God's promise to us. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe what God said isn't enough. Maybe we need to do something to it. Well, God showed up uh, here in Genesis 17, verse 1, and, and said something super powerful that shifted things in Abram's life. 
Um, it said here in Genesis 17, verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. That, that in, in the Hebrew, Almighty God is El Shaddai. That is the first time that anyone had, had realized that God is El Shaddai, Almighty God. Yes, it means Almighty, but it means more than that. Whenever you see something in Scripture for the first time, it's really important because it's usually just full of revelation. Abram got this great revelation that I thought God wasn't enough, but now I realize that he is El Shaddai. He is, he is the all-sufficient one. He is the more-than-enough kind of God. The word Shaddai, the root of it is Shaddad, which means to consume. We know that God is a consuming fire. There, there is no... There is no limit to our God. He is a more than enough kind of God. I am almighty God. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. He got this, this just mind-blowing revelation. And, and within a year, God proved himself that he is El Shaddai. He's the God of more than enough. He's the God who will, will fulfill the promise. Bring him into that appointed time. God wants to bring you into that appointed time. That's what happened with Abram. God even spoke to Abram and said, you are no longer Abram. You are Abraham. So for Abraham to figure out his true identity, he, he first of all had to figure out God's true identity. A lot of people in the world struggle with identity, are, are, are looking for identity, looking for who they truly are. You are not going to find out who you truly are unless you first figure out who God truly is. We serve a good God, a more than enough kind of God, the one true everlasting living God who cares enough for us, who loves us enough to, to give his own son to save us, to, to have relationship with us. You're not going to find out who you are unless you first know who God is. So right away after Abram um, figured out who God was, that he is El Shaddai, he is the more than enough kind of God, God spoke to Abram and said, you are not just Abram, you are not just Father Lee, but you are Abraham, you are father of a multitude. There is multiplication inside of you. Your name means to multiply. God, God gave him this revelation of multiplication. I believe that God wants to multiply this church. We serve a God of multiplication. That means if he did it once, he can do it again. There, there was a, a, an anointing of multiplication on the ministry of Jesus. If he saved one Samaritan woman at the well, she could go out and bring the entire city to salvation, the entire city to Jesus. This is the, the testimony of Jesus. It is the spirit of prophecy. That means if he did it for one person, he can do it again. He can multiply it over and over and over again. If he gave Pastor Lawson a church of 100 that could give $50,000 away, he could give him, he could multiply it and give him a church of 1,000 that gives away $500,000 a year. We gave away $635,000 away last year. This is a church where the blessing of multiplication is on it. And God is not done multiplying Karis Christian Center yet. He's going to multiply it again. This is going to be a church of 10,000 that gives $5 million away each year. This church is going to have an endowment, a, a, an investment fund for the future. We're not going to be debt driven. We're going to be investment driven. We're going to be kingdom driven. That old debt mentality, that being chained to debt, just, 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 just bending people's arms with, with you're, you're in debt, we're in debt, we're in debt, we can't turn the lights on. God is breaking that off this house. He's breaking it off your life. Our God is a more than enough kind of God. Turning on the, turning on the lights is not an issue here at this church. 
We serve a God of multiplication. If he teaches you how to make $1, he can show you how to make $10, $100, $1,000, $100,000, $1,000,000, $1,000,000, $1,000,000, $1,000,000, $1,000,000, $1,000,000, $1,000,000, $1,000,000, $1,000,000, $1,000,000, $1,000,000, $1,000,000, $1,
And then let's skip down to Genesis 22. Abram really got a full revelation of this God of more than enough and how it applies to provision. God wants to provide for you. And um, we we see this, um, the the first time, um, it's actually the very first redemptive name of God, Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh, Yira, the Lord will provide. You have to to, to really know who God is, you have to understand him as a provider. I think that's one reason why why the enemy really attacks the the message of prosperity, attacks the message of provision, because that is is one of the first things you have to understand about God. If If you don't believe that God wants to take care of you, that he wants to bless you so, so, so you're blessed with more than enough so you can be a blessing to other people, if you don't really understand that, really believe that, like, you're not going to go very far when he gives you opportunity. If my kids thought, I'm not, you know, I'm not a good provider, maybe I'll have breakfast, maybe I won't, maybe my dad will take care of me, maybe he won't, maybe he'll give me a ride to school, maybe he won't, what, what kind of relationship would we have? Would they be able to trust me with things beyond that? So Abram, um, he had Isaac. God, God brought the appointed thing to him. He had his, the, the, the promised son. And um, God, God told him, um, I, I want you to trust me and to offer up Isaac as an offering. So this is Genesis 22. Let's look at verse 7. It said, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. He was speaking prophetically. He knew that God was so true. God, God was more than enough. He knew that God would take care of it. Then they came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built on an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Um, This is probably the last time Isaac ever went on a father-son journey. (laughs) Like that, I don't think I want to learn how to hunt today. (laughs) I don't want you to take me to football practice. Mom can take me. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I, have, I, I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abram went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham, when he did this, he was in Moriah. God called him to go to Moriah. There are several hills in Moriah. This is where present-day Jerusalem is. Where Abraham built this altar, it is where the temple is today. But there are also several other important mountains, little hills around Jerusalem. The Mount of Olives is right there, right across um, um, from, from, from the Temple Mount. The Mount of Olives is where Jesus is going to come again. He's going to descend there, and, and when he steps foot on that mount, it said it's going to be so, the coming of Jesus is going to be so powerful. It says when he, when he it's in, in, um, in Zechariah, I believe, it says when he, he steps foot on the Mount of Olives, it's going to split in two. And he's going to walk across the valley and walk into the temple, walk through the eastern gate, the beautiful gate, and, and walk into that temple. I believe that Abram was looking at another mountain, another hill where he saw that ram caught in thicket. I believe that he was looking at Mount Calvary, a few hundred yards away. 
And I believe that, I believe that when he saw that ram there and he saw that his, what, what he believed God for come to pass, that he's going to provide for himself that burnt offering, I believe he was looking to Jesus. And Jesus said in John 8, 56, that Abraham, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And when he saw it, he was glad. So he saw, I believe he saw a picture of Jesus. I believe he saw God, God's redemption there. I believe that he saw something really important about who Jesus would be, who the Messiah would be, who this Redeemer would be. This Redeemer would be a provider. Jesus is a provider first and foremost. Everything has been provided for us in the person of Jesus. So Abraham called the name of the place. He, he named it after this revelation that this place is the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Yidah, as it is said to this day in the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. And I, um, when I was reading this, I, I've studied this many times. I love the redemptive names of God. But um, God just showed me something really cool in verse 14. It says, as it is said to this day. So who, who, who penned this account? Who actually wrote this out for the first time for, for, for us to read today? Moses wrote this out. Moses wrote this out around 1600 AD. Abraham lived about 2000, uh, sorry, 1600 BC, before Christ. This is 400 years before Moses. So for 400 years, Abraham started this saying, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Whenever Isaac needed something, Abraham probably told Isaac, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Remember when God provided for himself that burnt offering. God provided for himself that lamb. Whatever we have need of, God will provide it. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Isaac then taught it to Jacob. He taught Jacob, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. God is a provider. He's going to take care of you. Jacob taught that to his 12 sons. He taught it to Joseph. That God is going to provide, even in, the, in time of famine, God is going to provide. He's going to preserve for himself a posterity. He taught that to Ephraim, to Manasseh. They taught to their children. They taught to their children. For 400 years, this was a saying until Moses wrote it down, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. I believe that Moses wanted to get to that mountain. He wanted to get to that place where Abraham saw a picture of the Redeemer, where he rejoiced when he saw that, that our God, El Shaddai, he is the Lord who will provide. He wanted to see that mountain himself, but he wasn't able to step into it. He wasn't able to step into the promised land. Joshua had to lead the Israelites in, into the promised land. And God said, you're not going to take over this land instantly. It's going to take some time. Well, when, when did this mount become Israel's? This mount became Israel's not until another 600 years later, 1000 BC, King David conquered the Jebusites and, and took over Jer Jerusalem and set that up as his capital city. I believe he wanted to do it because he knew there was something special about that mount. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. God is going to provide for himself an offering that is going to take care of me. David wrote psalms about it. David wrote psalms about this redeemer. And I believe, I believe he passed this on. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Clear until the prophet Isaiah. He knew that something was going to happen very special at that mount. 
there's going to be an offering at that mount. The Lord is going to provide something at that mount. Isaiah wrote in chapter 53, verse 4 and 5, Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. In the mount of the Lord, it's all going to be provided for. All of our grief, our pain, sorrows, sin, iniquities, wrongdoings, anguish, anxieties, depression, sickness, everything is going to be provided for. In the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. If Jesus is Lord, if Jesus is Lord, he is the Lord who will provide for you. And the very first miracle Jesus did to prove that he is the Messiah, to prove that he is Lord of all, was a miracle of provision. Let's look at it. Let's go to John 2. We'll start in verse 1. So the Lord is our provider, and this is something I want to kind of stress in this next point here, is that his provision is always top-notch quality. Look at, look at this church. When we were looking for a new building, my, my dad didn't want to go this far north. The, the furthest north he wanted to go was Woodman and I-25. But God, God knew there would be greater opportunities somewhere else. He closed the wrong doors. That's, we, we were prepared, we had saved, we were ready to walk into it, we were living by faith. We thought the appointed time was such and such year, but God did it a little bit later in a little bit different place because he had a greater opportunity in store. He knew that, that, that this church would be, be in the most valuable geographic point in the city, right next to In-N-Out. <laughs> Some great Christian anointing within this geographic area. There's, there's a reason why they put scriptures on the, the bottom of their cups. I've never seen that line. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. That line is always long there. <laughs> Top notch. We, we have the best, the best property in, in, in all of the state of Colorado. The very first in and out that that, call, that they built in Colorado, was right next to us. My, my youngest brother, Peter, works for Burger King Corporate. He, he I don't even know what, he, he's very high up. He was, he was just living in Singapore over all of Burger King Asia. He got like triple promoted there during COVID when they shut everything down and said, we're not doing any promotions. And he got promoted several times, moved to the U.S., has been promoted here. He said, if you, if you, if you live any, if your church is near in and out you have the best the absolute best <laughs> real estate in that entire state because they, they are the most selective fast food chain in the entire country in terms of where they place their restaurants. So I know that we are in the best place to grow and to be multiplied. Now there, there are, like my office, I used to have you know, some vast openness right outside my office. I could see them out. Now there's just townhomes coming up all over the place. God, God is bringing the harvest right here. You know, if the, the parking lot's too full, people can just walk here. He, he has strategically placed us. 
And you're just going to see the doors that are going to open for this church, open to touch people's lives. His provision is always top-notch quality. John 2 verse 1, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. So kind of picture these um, water pots of stone. They're actually, I've seen, seen these things in Israel. They're, they look like a big bathtub. Because basically you'd have to submerge your entire body in these, in these pots to purify yourself um, according to the law to be able to go uh, into the temple, to be able to go and worship God. So he said to... Take, take these pots and fill them with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Verse 8, and he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. They're probably wondering what's going on. You know, that's normally not what you would drink water from. You know, our two-year-old loves to drink water from the bathtub. I think his disciples were, were more mature than two years, two years old. You know, they don't want to drink bath water. So they're, they're taking it to the master of the feast. And it says, when he had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from. I like that John puts in parentheses, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. Because, you know, there's probably an inside joke going on between, between Jesus' disciples for years after. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. But you have kept the good wine until now. The beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of... I love that. This is the beginning. Again, when something is done for the first time, the very first... There's something very important, very profound about it. Jesus was proving himself that he was Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And when he provides, it is the very best quality. And I love that it said, this is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. When God provides for you, it glorifies him. Poverty does not glorify God. Poverty is actually part of the curse in Deuteronomy 28. The blessing says whatever your hand touches is blessed. If some of you are struggling financially, struggling, struggling, paying bills, struggling with debt, struggling, trying to do something, Literally, do any, the blessing of God is on you. Whatever your hand touches, whatever you set your hand to, whatever work you set your hand to is blessed. It says, he manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. A couple things I want to draw from, from this miracle. Point number one, always invite Jesus to your party. I believe that after this miracle... Jesus probably got so many wedding invitations. <laughs> he was probably invited to every wedding in Galilee after this, this point. Always invite Jesus to your party. Invite him into your marriage, into your family, into your job, into your finances, into your health, into your church. Man, the church is always better with Jesus. Another point, Jesus is the one who purifies us. I believe that, I believe that he, he specifically chose those stone pots. 
which was the manner of purification for the Jews to do this miracle because he, he's shown that he's going to do something new. There's going to be a new purification system, and it's going to be so much better. It's so much better than that dirty old bathwater that I can't really wash away your sin. What can wash away my sin? Water can't really do it. 20 gallons, 30 gallons, it can't really do it, but, but my blood is going to wash away your sin. I want to purify you with, with the blood of the new covenant, with my own self. And, and he turned that water, that dirty, filthy, toddler bath water, and into something that, that was brand new, into this wine, which symbolizes the new covenant. This is, this is my blood that is shed out for you, the perfect blood of Jesus. And this wine, it couldn't be put into old wineskins. I love that he didn't just take a wineskin and fill up wineskins. He did something new. He, he, those old, you can't put new wine into an old wineskin. Why, why can't you do that? Because it would burst. Because the, the, the wineskin's going to get old. It's going to deteriorate. It's going to crack. If you put new wine in it, it's going to burst. When Jesus is going to put his blood into, into our lives, when he's going to atone us, when he's going to put his own spirit inside of us, he had to put it inside of something that couldn't burst. That's why he put this wine in these stone pots. They couldn't burst. When Jesus put his spirit in you, he did that for you. He gave you his spirit because his spirit cannot burst. His spirit is indestructible. There is something inside of you that is indestructible, that, that nothing here on this earth can break, can deteriorate, can rot, can affect. There is something on the inside of you that, that, that can hold the weight of his glory, that can hold the blood of the New Testament. He placed his own, death can't even break that spirit. There is something that is indestructible on the inside of you. And you can drink from it. You can drink from that eternal life that is inside. You can drink from the rivers of his spirit that he's placed inside of you. So Jesus, he's the one who purifies us. He placed that wine in something that is indestructible. And also this, everything is better with Jesus. With Jesus, everything gets better and better and better. The world is the exact opposite. That's what this master of the feast kind of realized. He said, hey, usually I, I've been to many parties. I'm a master of this feast. If you become a master, it's because you, you've done something along, a long time. I have a master's in music. I have a doctor in music. If you become a master, it's because you've done it. This guy's the master of the feast. He's probably the guy who ran weddings. He knows what weddings and parties in the world look like. They're like parties in the world today. The longer you stay at a party, the worse it gets. Especially if it's a worldly party. Not parties at church. Things get better and better as the church service goes on, Amen especially if we were having a good old Jesus party, Holy Ghost party. The wine gets a little sweeter and sweeter as it keeps going on. I mean, he's saying, hey, usually at, at these parties, things get worse and the wine gets worse and worse, but, but you've saved the very best until now. That's because the, the way, you're, you're better off partying with Jesus than partying with the world. I learned when I went to college, you know, when I was 18, don't, don't stay too late at these parties. Leave before, nothing good happens before, after midnight, so just leave early. It gets worse and worse. With Jesus, the party gets better and better. In the world, things get worse and worse. Things rust, things depreciate, things fall apart. Everything in this world will fall apart. Governments fall apart eventually. Things get worse and worse. But with Jesus, everything gets better and better. 
With Jesus, if you're, if you're still breathing here today, your best days are still ahead of you. None of us should have this attitude, well, I'm past my prime, I'm past God using me. No, you should be looking for those opportunities, looking to, to, to minister for people, looking, looking for God to show up on your behalf. God, God is still at work, and in his system, in his kingdom, things get better and better. Uh, what the Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 18, the path of the just is like the shining light that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. So when God provides, when Jesus provides, his provision is always top-notch quality. But also something that Jesus has proved out uh, as the Lord who provides for us is that quantity is no problem for him. Some people think, well, this problem is too big. This illness is just too big. This, this debt is just too big. Uh, my loneliness, my, my depression is just too much for God to handle. Quantity is no issue for Jehovah Jireh, for Jesus Christ. Let's look at John 6. We're going to look at the feeding of the 5,000. John 6. We'll start here in verse 1. It says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And when he heals, healing brings glory to God. Healing attracts people to want to believe on him. Are you guys seeing some of the connections healing, provision, and also when, when he'd give authority to his disciples. These, these are great things, and the, the enemy tries to attack those things. He tries to attack the message of healing. He tries to attack the message of provision. He tries to attack the message of authority. Jesus went up on top of the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip... I believe he called out Philip for an exact reason. Philip, I believe, dealt with a lack mentality. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him. He was testing Philip's mentality. He was testing his faith. He was testing his heart. Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? For he he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient. Philip was Mr. Not Sufficient. That message was just not good enough. That music was not good enough. That's just not sufficient. This is just lack, 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 lack. Even if we had 200 denarii. This is just classic, you know, pessimistic, lack mentality garbage. Even if we had 200 denarii, which is, you know, if you, a denarii is, uh, um, your wages for laboring for a day. So let's say it's $200, even $40,000. If I could just pull out a check for $40,000, it wouldn't be enough. And beside that, Jesus, the Passover is going on. If I went to the market in the nearest town, they're probably sold out of everything. How are we going to feed all these people? It's not enough. Major lack mentality. And you got to be careful when you look at God and you look at him as a provider. If you, if you think of him as lacking, it, it actually it reveals a deeper heart issue. And we see this several years later in Philip's life, actually at the very last supper when Jesus is, is sitting out, pouring out his heart to his disciples. Let's look, keep a, keep a finger right there in John 6, but look at John 14. One of my favorite passages, chapters of the Bible, John 14. 
Jesus says one of my favorite things, John 14, verse 6, I am the, the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, it's not sufficient. Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Philip's going to be mad at me someday because I really knock on him. But I believe he, he dealt with a major lack mentality. And at the heart of it was, was his relationship with Jesus. He didn't see Jesus as a provider, and he didn't see Jesus as enough. Jesus, you're not enough. It's not sufficient. Show us the Father, and it'll be sufficient. Go back to John 6. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's uh, brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. So he, he started off doing a little bit better. Philip got a complete F on that test. <laughs> uh, do you have a lack mentality or an abundance? Like, Philip was scoring really low. Andrew scored a little bit higher. He would have done better, but then he added the but. <laughs> but... What are these among so many? So Jesus just got tired of giving this exam out and just, just have everyone sit down. <laughs> now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number in 5,000. Jesus took the loaves. He took what, what Andrew said. We got, we got five loaves, two fish. He took the loaves and he had given thanks. That's something Andrew forgot to do. He forgot to give thanks for what God had given him. He gave thanks he distributed them to his disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. More than enough. Didn't really matter that there were 5,000 people as much as they wanted. So when the disciples, when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets. What are the chances of that happening? Here, each one of you, you scored a zero on the abundance versus lack of mentality test, but I'm still going to give you. This is a illustrated sermon for you all. You each get to take your own basket full. That I am a God of more than enough. Lack mentality. 200 denarii wouldn't be enough. Jesus, show us the Father and it will suffice us. Jesus, you aren't enough. Everything I've seen you, you, you've done. It's not enough. Lack, a lack mentality is, is it's going to cripple you. A lack mentality is, is a carnal mentality. It's a, it's a fear mentality. The world pushes it like crazy. An abundance mentality is a spiritual mentality. To be spiritually minded, it's life and peace, but to be carnally minded is death. A lack mentality will kill you. The world really pumps the lack mentality because it's a fear-based mentality and they can use fear to manipulate people and get people to do stupid things. Well, look, at, look at the years of COVID. Fear, you're going to run out of toilet paper. <laughs> I've seen grown adults fighting over toilet paper at Costco. I, I, I have a you know, baby that likes to play with toilet paper. She goes into the, the bathrooms and just unrolls every single bit of toilet paper and tears it apart and throws it around. And that's a very, I, I'm blessed. I have an abundance. I'm more than enough. A lack mentality will, will, will cause people to act irrationally. 
It's a world-based mentality. I, I don't preach it. I don't prophesy it. God is always going to take care of me. He's always going to take care of my family. He's always going to take care of this church. God is a God of more than enough. Quantity is no problem. I don't care if the Passover is going on. I don't care if COVID's going on. I don't care if there's supply chain issues going on. I don't care who the president is. My God is on the throne, and he does not change. I'm not going to live life based upon fear. I'm not going to live, I'm not going to make any decisions, any decisions based upon fear. It's not going to affect my, my day-to-day living. It's not going to affect how I parent. It's not going to affect how, I, how I, I'm married. It's not going to affect how I pastor. Fear is not going to motivate me. Faith, I, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall preach faith. The just... A lack mentality will kill you. It will, it will kill you spirit, soul, and body. A great example of this is my dog, Winston. I have a Scottish terrier named Winston. I've mentioned this before, but you all need to hear it because it's the best example of, of how a lack mentality versus an abundance mentality affects your life. I, I, I moved here seven years ago, became Pastor Aaron, and one of the first things I did, I bought a house and I bought a dog. I've always wanted a Scottish Terrier, so I got Winston. And um, it was just me and Winston for a few years. Um, and um, Winston, whenever I fed him in the morning, he would just eat a few kibbles at a time. They call this kind of eating grazing. He would just eat a few kibbles. It would take him all day to eat maybe half the bowl. A few years later, I married Heather. I got Heather. I got, became a father to Fisher and also became an owner of Willie, Willie Nelson, a little minpin, you know, rescue dog from Tennessee. And um, when Willie um, entered my house, Winston, something shifted inside of Winston. (laughs) He used to have an abundance mentality, you know, it's just me and my father. In my father's house, there's many mansions, there's many kibbles, there's more than enough. But now Willie is here. And when Willie's here, he just starts scarfing everything down. I got to get all the spaghetti, all the toilet paper, all the, I just got to do everything. Lack mentality set in. He went from 25 pounds to 35 pounds. <laughs> but not only that, you know, he, he started, you know, just, just kind of being a little aggressive. And if, if Willie was playing with his toy, there's not enough toys. And I got to get that toy. And, and Winston um, got super sick. Like near the point of dying, we, we took him to, to a vet. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. We kept giving him medicine. And the, the vet said, well, if you're open to it, we'll do an exploratory surgery. We'll cut him open and just figure out what's going on inside of him. Well, the, the vet did that, and, and they found a piece of Willie's um, plastic rhinoceros squeak toy. The foot was lodged in his intestine and nearly killed him. A lack mentality will kill you. A lack mentality will cause you to eat things that aren't that good for you. God wants to bring you into a land flowing. A lack mentality will cause you to to date people you shouldn't date. They say, don't don't go shopping when you're hungry. Don't don't go on a christianmingle.com when you're desperate. And it's hard. You know, I waited until I was 31 to meet, you know, my promised wife. The El Shaddai provided wife. But before that, it was, it, sometimes it looks a little slim out there. 
And there's a, there's a joke, and I, I shouldn't have said it because it's a lack mentality joke. The women out there, they're like parking spaces. They're either already taken, way out there, or handicapped. <laughs> That joke had come out of my mouth before. It's a lack of mentality, but God is gracious. Even though I, I was faithless, he was still faithful. How do you overcome a lack of mentality? There's going to be some major editing on this sermon going on later, so. Take a mental recording of everything you've heard today. So it might not be available. How to overcome a lack, be thankful. If you're single, be thankful you're single. That's what the Bible actually talks about it. Be thank, Thanksgiving, it's like a sword that cuts through chains of depression, it cha- cuts chains of lack, cuts chains of anxiety, cuts chains of discouragement, oppression. Be thankful. Number one way how to overcome a lack of mentality. Number two, don't ever speak lack. Don't make those crude kind of jokes. <laughs> Not a really worldly lack mentality kind of jokes. Don't ever speak lack. Especially don't speak lack over yourself, over those who are close to you, over your wife, over your husband, over your children. Just say things to your kids like, you can do anything you put your mind to. With hard work, with determination, with the favor of God on your life, you can go anywhere God calls you to go. Nothing is stopping you. With God, all things are possible. When you take your kid to Walmart and they want to buy every single thing off the shelf, don't say, you can't afford that. We can't afford that. I don't have enough money. Say things like, that's not in the budget right now, or better yet, you can pay for that yourself. (laughs) Whatever your hand touches is blessed. I'll I'll, let you shovel the driveway today for 10 bucks an hour. That's $20 for that Lego set. You can work for two hours and have that Lego set if you want it. And usually they want to stop buying things. (laughs) Don't speak lack. Number three, once in a while, do something extravagant. Take, take your wife to Cancun and pay for the upgrade. Pay for the, the top floor where you get the ocean view. Just do something that, that normally you wouldn't do. Just out of principle, just say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, on this date, I'm going to do something that I wouldn't normally do. I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm going to hand someone $100. I'm going to take my spouse out to a restaurant that I know I'm not going to use a coupon for. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to give a 30% tip to the waiter. I'm, I'm going to appoint this day as a day of extravagance. It's a treat yourself or treat thy neighbor kind of day. Once in a while, do something extravagant. And number four, be a giver. Be a big giver. Be an extravagant giver. Give with the currency of heaven. What is the currency of heaven? The currency of heaven, it's not necessarily U.S. dollars or euros or some people think it's Bitcoin. Bitcoin's not the currency of heaven. It could be an alabaster box. It could be five loaves and two. The currency of heaven is faith. Give by faith. Be a faith giver. The just shall live by faith. The just shall give by faith. And trust God that he is always more than enough. God, God is more than enough in terms of quality, in terms of quantity, and lastly, he's more than enough consistently. God just revealed this to me um, just the other day. My, my third grade son, Fisher, came home with his report card. He goes to a really top-notch charter school um, here in the area. And um, they don't grade with A, B, C, D. Um, and they actually grade um, based upon their, the frequency which, with, which with they 
excel at things. So, so their math grades, and they grade them, grade them for math, for reading, for writing, and they even grade them for their character, how they treat others, how they, how, you know, are, are they willing to take risks, to, to, to try new things. A big portion of it is their character, which I kind of like. But uh, they grade them um, off their frequency. So are, are they consistently doing this? Do they usually do this? Do they sometimes do this, or do they rarely do this? I think a lot of people know that God, yeah, he's a provider. Yeah, he's a healer. Yeah, he, he can, he can um, you know, restore marriages. He can help families. He can, he can do these things, but that's kind of a rare type of thing. That's only when there's a revival happening. And when you grade God, don't, don't give him an R for rare. Don't give him an S for sometimes. Don't give him a U for usually. Do, do a C consistently. God is so consistent. He is more than enough consistently. And one of the greatest miracles that really proved this out is the miracle of, of, of the manna in the desert. God provided for the people in the desert for 40 years consistently. Every morning, six days a week, they'd wake up. There'd be, there'd be manna on the ground. There'd be bread to eat. Every evening, 40 years, six days a week, quail in the camp. More than enough, consistently. God is so consistent in his provision for us. And I wanted to read this verse for you in Numbers 11.31. Speaking about this, this miracle of provision, this, this consistent miracle of provision. And it, it, um, it just rattles my brain just thinking about it. As I was reading through Numbers, um, God just told me to slow down here and actually calculate this and, and to picture it. So I'm going to help you all calculate this and picture it out. Numbers 11.31, speaking about the miracle of, of meat, of quail in the evening. And this happened every day, six days a week for 40 years. So this describes one, one, of, of, one of these days. Numbers 11.31 now says, A wind went out from the Lord, and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp about a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side, all around the camp and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. All this is important because I believe that God wants us to picture his consistent and just his, his total miraculous provision. He is more than enough. So it said quail were, were two cubits high, right? A cubit is a foot and a half. So about three feet, about waist high, there was quail on the surface of the ground. And these quail extended how far? A day's journey, 20 miles, all around the camp. Whichever direction you went, they went 20. So that's a radius of 20 miles. So I just did some simple math to calculate the surface area of, of this quail, three feet of quail. So the area of a circle, pi r squared. So 3.14 times 20 times 20. If you don't know what pi is, that's fine. It's, it's El Shaddai, shall supply all the pi. <laughs> pi, what's this guy talking about? It. Some people, you mentioned math and their brains are shut down. 3.14 times 20 times 20, that is 1,256 square miles. That is roughly 800,000 acres. If you could combine corn, corn, if you could combine corn, 200 acres a day of corn, that would take you 4,019 days. This is 11 years to scoop up all that quail. That, 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 that is more than enough quail. And they, they had, you know, fried quail sandwiches with their manna, you know, from the morning. It was still good that evening. You know, on the, on the sixth day, they would gather twice as much, and, and it, it would still be good the next day. So if you love Chick-fil-A and they honor the Lord on the seventh day, 
Just go, go buy twice as much Chick-fil-A on Saturday, and Sunday is going to taste even better. The blessing of manna is upon Chick-fil-A. It, it's really awesome, though. It, it's instilled in, as it is said to this day at Chick-fil-A, we're going to honor God. Generation after generation, it, it's, it's in the fiber of, of that our God is more than enough. We're not going to s- slip into a lack mentality. We can be closed one day a week so people can, can go to church, can be with their families, can rest. We're not going to have a lack mentality and just try to squeeze people dry, try to keep, just squeeze everything as empty as we can. We have a more than, and that, that is a very unusual mentality in the business realm. I, I guarantee if I ask my brother, who, who, who's one of the top financial people for Burger King, how, how many you know, fast food chains do you think would, would just be closed today? Man, they're, they're looking for ways to, 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 to just rub the Lincoln Memorial off the pennies. That's the, that's the world's mentality. But something, as it is said to this day, God is going to provide, he's going to take care of that, and nothing's going to change. And that's still in the fabric of that company, which is really amazing. So I want you to say this with me. I want you to confess this with me in conclusion. Jesus, Jesus you, are you are sufficient. You are more than enough. You are the Lord, my provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. And your provision, it's top-notch quality. Quantity is no problem for you. And your provision is consistent. As it is said to this day, January 22nd, 2023, 4,000 years after it was first said, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. At Mount Calvary, at the cross, everything, everything I have need of, it has been provided. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.